0: Love came down. Tonight we wrap up our series, Love Came Down, and I was enjoying each and every message that came across this pulpit this past month. We think about love, the love of God, and in 1 John 4, 9, it says it's this love of God that was manifested towards us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We just celebrated Christmas, uh, the birth uh, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about that uh, for, a, for a few moments. Uh, that uh, the king of heaven, he left his throne to be born of a virgin, to, to walk amongst us. The Bible says that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He, he was born to uh, not parents of prestige, but uh, everyday individuals, uh, And I think about uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, that they got the call of God that was placed upon their lives to birth the Savior, to take care, to protect the Savior. Think about Mary. She was pregnant in Nazareth, and and they had to take this uh, 90-mile journey from Nazareth into Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy. I think about that, uh, what might have been going through their minds. Like, Lord, couldn't I have been pregnant in Bethlehem? Right? Right? And sometimes when the will of God comes into our lives, uh, it doesn't come easy. There's a struggle that we need to fight for, to contend that we want to see the will of God accomplished within our lives. And there there in Bethlehem, and the birth of this child, she's looking at this infant. All the hopes uh, of humanity rest on this tiny little child. They might not know where they're going to be staying or where their next meal is going to come from, but... How many know God provided? God always makes a way. This beautiful little child that one day the full consequence of our sin would be placed upon his shoulders, and there he is lying in the manger. What an awesome experience that we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior. And it's because of this tiny child that was here in that manger that we can experience joy. We can experience peace. We can experience hope. Love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, redemption, and we can also experience healing. And tonight that's what I want to talk about. It's the healing of Jesus. See, when love came down, love brought healing. Love never comes empty-handed. We exchanged gifts this past Christmas with the ones we loved, right? Love always gives. God is our example of, of, of loving and giving, that He so loved the world, He gave us His Son, Jesus. Love, it gives us purpose, it gives us a hope, it gives us strength to keep on moving when things and situations seem impossible. The love of God, it does so many powerful things in our lives. Uh, it transforms us, like Pastor Bob uh, uh, mentioned earlier this month, it turns enemies into brothers, it offers forgiveness. But one of the greatest miracles of love uh, that God works in our lives is the miracle of healing. The Bible says that in Exodus 15, 26, it is the Lord who heals. It's God who heals us. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And to heal means to make whole or to restore, to cure. Healing was a major focus in uh, Jesus's ministry. People from all over had heard about this mighty man of God, this prophet that had risen in the land who was healing the sick, uh, who was curing diseases, who was casting out devils, uh, and they wanted to hear this man up close and personal. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 40, it says, when the sun was setting, and all those who uh, had any that were sick with various diseases, they brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. In Luke chapter 6, verse 19, it says, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. You could picture crowds trying to get close to Jesus. Uh, There's these stories. The Bible is just filled. The Gospels are filled with these stories of Jesus' and his healings. Blind men that would call out into the street as they heard the commotion and heard Jesus was coming, they would yell out, son of David, son of God, have mercy on me. There's a story that I I, I really love. It's this uh, Jesus is in a room and he's and he's teaching. And these individuals, they have a friend who's paralytic. He can't move. He can't walk. Uh, can't even speak or talk. Uh, and uh, they're, they're trying to get him to Jesus so he can be touched. And there's no way of, him, of them being able to bring this man who's laying down. And so what do they do? They get resourceful, and they get up on that roof, and they put a hole in that roof, and they lay him down. They, they knew and understood that Jesus could heal their friend. And for them, it didn't cost them how much it would have cost to repair that roof. They were going to get their friend to Jesus Christ so that he can be touched and healed. There's a story of the Roman centurion. He had a servant who was sick, and he sent his soldiers to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. You just say the word. You just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed, and exactly what took place in that servant's life. The demon possessed, they were brought to Jesus for deliverance. Parents would beg at the feet of Jesus and ask Jesus to have mercy and and, and heal their children. And that's a great example for parents in this place tonight, uh, that we would be bringing our children before Jesus, that we would be bringing our children uh, daily before the altar of God and asking God to have mercy, asking God to protect our children, asking God to protect their minds, asking God to protect their hearts. I think I pray more now for my adult children than when they were smaller, believe it or not. It doesn't end when they turn 18. Uh, Parents, amen. Jesus couldn't get to the people, and they would come to him. There's a story of we know it, the woman with the issue of blood, year after year after year, 12 years of uh, failed medicines, 12 years of failed remedies, 12 years of failed doctors' prognosis failed, 12 years of failed treatments, and she still remained with this issue of blood. And she knew that Jesus was coming. Here's Jesus, and he's on his way to heal a young girl. And she knew that if I could just make my way through the crowd, if I could just push through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed, man. And that's exactly what she did is she fought, and she contended for that healing, and she wasn't going to let a crowd uh, dissuade her. Sometimes when I see crowds at Costco, I say, I'll get gas some other time because I don't want to wait in that line, right? Or if it's too crowded, I just say, I don't want to be around the crowds, but this was so important, her healing for for this lady, that she didn't care about the crowds, and she pushed through to be touched and to be healed, and Jesus instantly recognizes healing power left him, and he's asking, who just touched me right now? And his disciples are saying, Jesus, everybody is touching you. You're being crowded. You can't barely move. What do you mean, who touched me? And he says, someone touched me because I felt power leave me. And what happens is this woman is brought to that place in her life that she has to acknowledge, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm sick in need of a healer. It was me, Jesus. I touched you. And the faith that she had that her healing came about that he looks at her, daughter, your faith has made you well. He took a time, he took time out of his busy schedule to minister to this woman. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse five, that by his stripes were healed. What does that mean? By the lashings of a cat of nine tails, by the, the whips and the beatings and being stretched out on that cross. Uh, Bleeding by that precious blood, the Bible says, we're healed. Amen. By that precious blood that was shed uh, with every whip, uh, every whip crack, uh, that precious blood is what heals us tonight in this place. See, these stories that I was just recounting, they're not just stories that we read in the Bible, but they're examples. They're examples of the healing power of Jesus Christ, and they're examples for you and I that when we're sick in body, or we're going through it, or we're afflicted, the same way he healed them, he can heal us. The the same healing that was available 2,000 plus years ago is available tonight. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Well, let him sing psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and underline this in your Bible. It says, pray for one another That you may be healed. For the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Here, James is saying pray for one another, lay hands on one another, be there for one another, encourage one another. When your brother or your sister or your friend is sick, I want you to say, well, I hope you get better. I'm on my way out. But can I pray for you? Can I lay hands on you? Can I, can I lift you up in prayer? What is it that you're going through? Because I'm going to contend with you to see that you get better, to see that you may, are made whole. That's what the body of Christ is intended to do, is to be there encouraging and, and helping one another. Jack Hayford said this. He said, prayer can change anything. The impossible doesn't exist. His is the power. Ours is the prayer. Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. See, the Lord is, he chooses to use our faith to step out, to pray for one another. He chooses to use us. We're an extension of his arms and his hands. We're an extension of his feet. Uh, and sometimes there's people that uh, they can't come into the house of God, and we'll go to them. I know there's men and women in here that they'll visit hospitals. uh, They'll visit the juvenile halls. uh, They'll visit the prisons uh, to bring the message of healing, the message of hope, and the message of Jesus Christ into the lives of individuals that can't make it into this building tonight. Healing is a process, they say. Jesus, he healed in different ways. For some, he just spoke, and they were healed. For some, he laid hands on them, and they were restored. You know the story of the ten lepers. They were to present themselves to the priest. They were given a a direction. They were given a command, and as they obeyed, in their obedience, they were cured. They were healed. They were made whole. That one blind man, where he spit and he made mud and he put it put it uh, that that salve on his eyes and his eyesight was restored. He put his fingers uh, into the ears of a deaf man so that he could hear. He honored the faith of those who came to him for healing. See. God is sovereign. Sometimes your healing is instantaneous. Sometimes it goes away right then and there. Sometimes it goes away as you're leaving the altar and headed back to your seat. Sometimes it goes away as you're driving home. Whatever it is that you're going through, the way that God decides to heal you is his prerogative. He's sovereign. It's according to his will. Our job is to pray. Our job and our responsibility is to step out in faith and believe that we can be healed or pray for those and believe that they can be healed. I know that when we're sick, though, I know when I'm sick, I want to be healed immediately. And something happens to me when I'm sick that all of a sudden I go from 48 to, like, 8. Because I'm moody, cranky. I want to be left alone. I feel sorry for myself, right? We're human, right? But We want that pain. We want that discomfort. We want that sickness taken away from us immediately. But God uses sickness. God uses pain. God uses hurt. God uses these things in our lives uh, to get our attention so that we can be molded and shaped and learn and grow in the, in the process of while we're being healed, whether it's a common cold or we're battling some disease. God can speak to us through that sickness. First, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The emphasis that God puts on our spirit man not that God isn't concerned with our physical bodies and God's not concerned with what ails us or what troubles us or what afflicts us, but he's concerned with our spirit, man, because our bodies are perishing. I was looking in the mirror and I was, man, I have a lot of gray hairs on my chin, man. I tell you what, 28 years ago when I walked through these doors, I had more hair on the top of my head than I did on my face. And I asked, where does the time go? Our bodies are perishing. At one point, unless the Lord takes us home, we're going to pass from this life into the next. And God is concerned with our spirit that's going to live forever, that, that our spirits are healthy, and that no matter what kind of sickness is coming against us, we're healthy on the inside, uh, that there's something taking place on the inside. Sickness isn't from God. It's because of our corrupt and fallen sinful nature. It's the enemy that uses sickness uh, to try to destroy us. Uh, but God can take that same evil and make us whole on the inside, make us right with him on the inside and draw us closer to him. I remember when um, a few years back when Pastor Dan and Sister Christina had a uh, they were pioneering in East Long Beach and there was this lady at one of the Bible studies and you could tell she was battling with cancer. She had her, her, head, her headpiece on and we were at the park and, and I remember just, I don't even remember what the Bible study was about, but I remember she was giving testimony and she was not thanking God because she had cancer, but thanking God because of that cancer, she was drawing closer to God. God was doing something on the inside of her and no matter how bad, her body was perishing. Her inside, her spirit, man, was communicating with God, it was loving God. It was uh, hearing his, his voice, seeking his presence. David, in the book of Psalms, he said, 119 verse 71, it said, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statues. None of us here like to be afflicted. David understood it was in his affliction, it was in his pain, it was in his suffering that he was learning the word of God on a more close, deep, and intimate level. See, it's when we're going through times of affliction, that, uh, times of sickness, that we draw closer to God, we become more sensitive to his Holy Spirit, uh, we can hear his voice clearer, we can recognize the spiritual warfare that we're in. We also learn that just the petty things in life, they're just not worth it. It's not worth being mad over spilled milk. There's far more important things going on. And now while we're going through it, while we're in the fire, while we're going through times of sickness, uh, that way it's just it. We're going through. it. It's a process. We're going through it. God's getting us through it. And that God is in control. That God is in control. And if God is in control, then we can rest in the shadow of his wing. If God is in control, what can man do to us? What can the devil do do to us? If God is in control, we're in that perfect place where he wants us to be. See, when we're in affliction, it's time to take inventory of our lives. Is there something missing? Is my communion or my communication with God missing? Am, am I distant from God? Is he using this to get my attention? Is my prayer life lacking? How to use sickness to get you on your knees? Are there things in my life that shouldn't be there? Is sin there? Because sin will cause you to be physically sick as well as spiritually sick. Is there demonic oppression going on? Are there things in your home that shouldn't be there? Are there crystals or New Age uh, literature or, or things associated with witchcraft and, and demons uh, or even good luck charms? Uh, are they there? Because those things will make you physically sick, and, and God is saying, "Man, get that out of your house. Let that be nowhere near you," because it's not only making you physically sick; it's making you spiritually sick. Is there unforgiveness? Because unforgiveness will stop the hand of God from bringing healing into your life, man. Oh, God, I, I let it go. I let it go right here, right now. Man. We think that when we're wrong, that we've been hurt, uh, that if we just stay mad at the individual, that'll show them, that'll teach them. But ultimately, it's us. It's us that uh, begins to get sick. It's us that begins to go through it. Uh, not them. They're laughing and smiling and living their lives. We need to just come to that place, Lord. The vengeance is yours, and I release it, God. The issue tonight when it comes to healing isn't if God can heal us. God can heal us. God can heal any sickness, any disease. He defeated death. He defeated sin. There's no sickness in this world that can be created that God can't heal you and I from. But the issue is how we respond through that. The issue is that we're going to continue to contend for that. The issue is that we're going to continue to believe for our miracle. We're going to continue to press on during those times of affliction. Because sickness doesn't just affect the person that's sick. You ask uh, any parent whose child is sick if it doesn't affect them. If they're not on their hands and knees praying and asking God, have mercy, bring healing upon my child, because as a parent, we would do anything for our kids. God, take it away from them and put it on me. But we're learning as parents, uh, when our children are sick, uh, To bring them before the presence of God. To anoint them with oil. To lay hands on them. And you know what's taking place in their life? They're learning faith as well. And their faith is growing as well. So that when they're sick, and now when their parents and their children are sick, man, my mom laid hands on me, and I recovered. My dad anointed me with oil, and the sickness departed from me. Ask a spouse uh, whose mate, whose husband or wife is sick, And I tell you what, those vows, they take on a a whole nother meaning. For better or for worse, sickness and in health becomes very, very real. Not just something you say at the altar so you can kiss her, but it becomes very real. And you'll be praying, man, and you'll be interceding. See, we're a body, church. We're a body. We're connected to one another. The Bible says we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. And so when our, our brother or sister are sick, uh, it's not just, I wish you well. But it's even if you don't even tell them, I'm praying for the person right now. as when their, mem- when their name comes across my mind, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, and I'm going to lift up a prayer of healing for them. See, this is the season that love came down. It's the season that love brought healing. And God heals us. He heals our body. He heals our mind. And he heals our soul. Book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 20 through 22. It says, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And at that very hour, he uh, cured many of infirmities, and afflictions, and evil spirits, and many blind he gave sight. And Jesus answered and said to them, now go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, that the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus is our great physician. He's our healer. He's our doctor, man. You know he's the one that created our bodies he created the human cell scientists are still finding out new discoveries when it comes to the cell they Thought they had it figured out, and they're realizing they're just scratching the surface. Uh, that that cell, the human cell, that what we're made of uh, is so intricate, and so complex, uh, and so still far beyond science. But yet, it was Jesus who created it. It was out of His imagination that He spoke it into existence. Uh, he knows us. He knows everything going on inside of us tonight. He created the blood that's pumping through our veins tonight, that's flowing through us, and it was his Holy Spirit that filled our lungs with the breath that we have tonight. So what am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus has authority over sickness and has authority over disease. He's the author of life. And that same authority that he has uh, to, to heal sickness, to cast out devils, to, to see people being well, is that same authority and that same power that he transfers to you and I when we step out in faith and we lay hands upon our brother and sister. When we step out in faith that uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, I command this sickness to flee. Mark 16, 18, he says they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And that was the authority and the command that he gave to his disciples. In my name, lay hands on them, and in my name, watch them be healed. We need to learn how to plead the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness and all infirmities. It heals us. It restores us. It renews us. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. He heals your physical bodies, but he also heals our minds. We live in an era where mental health uh, has uh, come into focus. John Hopkins Medicine, they released some, st- some uh, statistics. They said approximately 9.5% Uh, percent of American adults ages 18 and over will suffer from a depressive illness uh, like depression uh, or bipolar disorder. It says approximately 1% uh, of Americans are affected by schizophrenia. 18% of people's uh, ages 18 through 24 and in a given year will have uh, uh, an anxiety disorder such as post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, uh, disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsion disorder, phobia, some kind of phobia. Satan's goal is to attack and to destroy our lives. The Bible says he comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But the plan of God for our lives tonight is to, is to be sound. The plan of God for our lives tonight uh, is that we will live an abundant life. And one of the things that the enemy is always going to try to attack, uh, not just your physical body, but he's going to try to attack your mind. Your mind. Because it's in our minds where we communicate with God, where he communicates with us. Uh, It's in our minds where thoughts uh, and ideas are formed. It's in our minds uh, where our habits and actions and lifestyles take root and are established. It's in our minds where we process uh, events that have happened to us, where we store data, where we can recollect memories. Memories that happen when we were just children, ch- infants. I don't know about infants, but children. And all of a sudden, these memories uh, with just a, a smell or a song or a thought can come, can come flooding back in like if it was just happened the other day. And that's why when it's, it's so important that if you've experienced any kind of trauma, that you learn how to work through that trauma in a healthy, healthy, biblical manner. We have pastors, we have men of God and women of God here that the Spirit of God is on them. And if there's things in your life, uh, you don't understand why you keep having these hangups, why you have these habits, and why you keep going back, uh, seek pastoral counsel. We have Celebrate Recovery Tuesday nights uh, here in this church where they help individuals work through those traumas that they suffered when they were children. You can be healed in Jesus' name. Heal tonight. The story of the madman of Gadara. The gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all tell about this uh, individual who was demon-possessed. Bible says that he had a legion of demons inside of him. He was tormented. He was harassed. Uh, and, and, and because he was so uncontrollable, they would bind him. They would put him in chains and in shackles and have him to live in the tombs and up in the mountains. Mark 5.5 5 says this. Uh, he was always night and day. And he was in the mountains and tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. He was self-harming himself. And self-harm is a real thing, and it mainly affects our teenagers, but it happens with adults as well. We're trying to cope with emotional hurt or intense uh, stress; they'll begin to cut themselves, they'll begin to self-harm, and th- the reasoning is, is because that pain is temporary, it will leave, but that emotional pain, that mental pain, it continues to t- reside and it continues to to uh, uh, torment the individual. It continues to linger. Causes stress and feelings of anger and blind and, and despair and loneliness and depression. Tonight, you you don't feel like you're alone. You're not alone. Jesus loves you tonight. That's the good news. That's the good news that tonight you can be healed. Amen. It says that when Jesus cast those demons out, uh, that those demons. They, found, they were cast upon a herd of swine and the torment was so intense that those swine they couldn't take it man and they ran off the cliff and drowned into the uh, into the sea and think about that this man that these herd I don't know how many in a herd of swine but I'm sure it's a lot it's a, they couldn't take the torment of all of those demons and this one man that he had them all Jesus, in his mercy and his love and his compassion, has mercy on this individual and delivers him. Delivers him. The Bible says in Luke 8.36 that he had been healed. He was made whole, that he was saved. He was made well. In Mark uh, 5.15, it says, Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion. He was sitting and clothed. In his right mind. That 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 word, that that phrase for having a right mind, it means to be of a sound mind. That God has not given us a spirit of fear, because fear will cripple you and paralyze you. But he's given you a spirit of, of love, power, and of a sound mind. It means to be self-controlled, to be sober-minded, to be restrained. And he gave this individual his right mind. He put him back. We look at individuals like that and we say, man, what could have happened? What could have went wrong? doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus can heal them. What matters is that Jesus can, can restore and redeem anyone. He redeemed this madman who had all them devils. He can redeem those that are out there that are wanting and seeking and searching for an answer. And that's why it's so important that we don't keep silent, church. Psalms 147, verse 3. God can heal our physical pain. He can heal and he can wash and he can renew our minds. Amen. And he can mend our broken hearts. And he can mend our broken hearts as our worship team comes up. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wound. He heals the brokenhearted, and he, hind, and he binds up their wound. You've heard that saying, right? The time heals all wounds, and that's just not true. It's not true because when you're wounded, if you've got a physical wound, you get cut, uh, your skin opens up, or you break a bone, if that wound isn't treated, if that wound uh, isn't uh, sterilized, if that broken arm or bone isn't put in place, uh, It's not time that makes it better. Time will only make it worse. Time will only make it worse. It's gotta be cleansed. It's gotta be set right. It's gotta be made whole. It's gotta be seen. In time, it it does not heal all wounds. Pain and hurt can last for decades. Physical pain can go away, but emotional pain, mental pain, we can carry that for, for years, for lifetimes. We get good at hiding it. We learn to live with it. We learn to cover it up. We try to numb it. We look for something to take that away, that pain away, and we look in this, that, and whatever, and we find that it leaves us all completely empty. It's still there. It's still there. We still wake up to it. Healing of a broken heart isn't healed through time but it's healed through time with Jesus brokenhearted are healed through having a relationship with Jesus walking with Jesus letting him carry you through those times of hurt and times of pain Knowing Jesus knowing the Father intimately that's what begins to take that pain away that's what begins the healing process is coming to the foot of the cross and asking Jesus uh, for salvation for forgiveness for healing can cast our cares and our worries and our anxieties on him. We can feel forsaken. Jesus knew what it felt like to feel forsaken. He was on that cross and he said, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the truth is, is that God doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us nor forsake us. What kind of God would we, ser- would we serve if it, if in our darkest hour, there, yeah, he wouldn't be there? No, but it's in our darkest hours, it's in our most hurt and it's in our most uh, times of grief and anguish that he's right there with us he's right there with us extending his comfort extending his love extending his healing we just got to reach out just got to reach out and allow him to to, to start that work and to continue that healing process uh, within our lives i end with this in the book of psalms chapter 54 verses 17 through 19. It says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. Amen. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. That's good news tonight. And he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. Amen. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight in reverence to God,